Fauci's topic, reopening the country. He tells the New York Times rushing it will have deadly effects. Chief Washington correspondent Major Garrett. Dr. Fauci will say what every public health official has said. The more we reopen, the more cases there are going to be. And we have to balance that risk. And doing that is not easy. But one of the things that makes it easier and more digestible is clear, consistent messaging from the highest officials in the land. The death toll from the coronavirus is now more than 80,000 in the U.S. All but four states have begun reopening. Elon Musk is daring police in Fremont, California to arrest him after he turned his nose up at local restrictions and restarted his Tesla plant. CBS's David Begno says diners are also ignoring social distancing orders. South of Denver in Castle Rock, Colorado on Monday, crowds ignoring social distancing orders returned for a second day to CNC breakfast, even after local officials issued an order to close for 30 days. President Putin's spokesman Dmitry Peskov has been hospitalized with the coronavirus. It comes just a day after Putin said the rate of infections was slowing in Russia and more restrictions would be lifted. Uber is taking flack for laying off scores of customer service employees on Zoom. Rufin Shavalo held back tears as she broke the news. We are eliminating 3,500 frontline customer support roles. The company says businesses tanked during the pandemic. A disappointment for Druids. I'm Vicki Barker in London. Summer solstice ceremonies at the ancient stone circle of Stonehenge canceled by coronavirus. The roughly 10,000 drawn to the site each June, far exceeding social distancing guidelines. Instead, English Heritage will live stream the sun rising over the heel stone and illuminating the center of this ancient circle for self-isolating Druids to worship at a safe social distance. The Supreme Court continues hearing socially distanced arguments by phone. Today, they take up the case of the president, his tax returns and financial documents, and efforts to keep them private. CBS's Steve Dorsey. Several House committees have subpoenaed the president's tax returns and other financial documents. Congress says it's in line with its role overseeing the conduct of presidents over the last 200 years. But the Trump administration says it's part of a politically motivated fishing expedition that should be blocked. S&P futures up 10. This is CBS News. For CBS News Radio is your home for breaking news. With our team of reporters around the country and the world, we give you the coverage you can trust. This Ion Veterans Moment is presented by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Army veteran and politician Jason Kander helps lead the Veterans Community Project. Their goal is to build tiny homes for previously homeless vets. One of the things that this place does that's so important, it restores that sense of dignity, that sense that says, hey, look, you served your country, and we're going to treat you like you served your country. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Get guaranteed low prices and excellent customer service at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. For over 168 years, Mass Mutual has stood strong by you to help you protect your loved ones. Together, we'll weather this storm. To learn more, visit MassMutual.com. That's MassMutual.com. As the world races to respond to the coronavirus pandemic, CBS News Radio is covering every aspect of the story. Clear and original reporting, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, right here on CBS News Radio. A couple of rap stars are donating personal protective equipment to jails. CBS's Matt Piper. With a $10 million boost from Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey, Jay-Z and Meek Mill's criminal justice organization Reform Alliance is sending 10 million surgical masks and other PPE to correctional facilities across the country. I'm not a businessman, I'm a businessman. The donation coincides with the Reform's new Answer Their Call digital campaign, an effort to highlight mass incarcerations through the accounts of inmates. A recent report from the CDC showed the difficulties prisons and jails are facing when combating the disease. If you've already churned up Disney's Dole Whip and Churros and Ikea's Swedish meatballs, there's a new quarantine recipe to try. United has posted instructions for passengers missing its caramel-filled waffle cookies. Banana bread features chopped Dutch stroopwafels in the batter and sprinkled on top. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. Can the daily recommended servings of fruits and vegetables fit into just six capsules? Yes! 
We start by sourcing organically grown whole fruits and vegetables. We ensure they are picked at peak ripeness. All of our produce is third-party tested for pesticides, heavy metals, bad bacteria, and nutrients. They are then washed, cut, and put through an advanced vacuum cold process which removes the water using pressure. This maximizes the nutritional value while preserving the color, smell, and taste of the fruit or vegetable. The freeze-dried food is then ground into a fine powder without adding any additives, fillers, or extracts. These powdered foods are then mixed in our proprietary blends and encapsulated, locking out air and moisture. The capsules are then bottled and shipped directly to our customers. Balance of Nature is now offering 35% off on any new preferred order. Go to balanceofnature.com today and use discount code FRUITS. Hello, I'm Ohio First Lady Fran DeWine. It's really difficult adjusting to a new normal in Ohio, but please keep staying home if you can, and keep wearing a mask if you must go out for something essential. Small acts can and do make a difference. Thank you for what you are doing each and every day, taking care of each other. We're in this together, Ohio. Furnished by Governor Mike DeWine in the OAB. When there's something strange lurking under your bed, who are you going to call? Dustbusters! Athens Dustbusters are a licensed, bonded, husband and wife team that offer up top-of-the-line janitorial services at great prices, and they serve commercial and residences across Southeast Ohio. As the seasons change, don't worry about the cleanup. Call Athens Dustbusters at 740-541-7113 for a free quote. But don't just take our word about the Athens Dustbusters. Hi, I'm Sam. And I'm John. And we're Athens Dustbusters, and we will bust your dust. Services for Behavioral Health is the preeminent behavioral health organization in Southeast Ohio. It's an organization of over 300 like-minded individuals that provide services to some of the most vulnerable populations, believing in the resiliency of the individual. If you provide good services, if you care about the individual and you value communities, you know, the opportunities are endless. service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. Ah, what a glorious morning outside. Look at that sunshine, but uh, guess what? One more night of freezing. Gonna have to bring the plants in again. But then... They're talking about three or four days from now, 80 degrees. Hey, we got a special edition today. The topic is telemedicine. You know, it's been around a while, but, man, it's really blossomed in lieu of this COVID virus and coronavirus, all that sort of thing. So we've got some docs that are joining us from the Ohio Health Organization today, and 
Dr. Doug Wu and Vipin Koshal. Good morning. Welcome, fellas. Let's see here. Wait a minute. I there. I have one button not pushed. Good morning. Good morning, Dave. There you go. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome. And uh, I hope I said everything pretty accurately a few moments ago. The um, this telemedicine is amazing. Now, uh, Doug, Doctor Wu, you are an MD. You are. Um, your specialty is neurology, right? That's correct. And uh, just just in case someone out there doesn't know exactly what that might be, uh, lay it on us. Yeah, we try and help with um, basically disorders of the brain and spinal cord, um, the nerves, the nervous system. So strokes, dementia, headaches, um, Alzheimer's, seizures, uh, things like that. Boy, what's, what's left? I mean, it sounds like it, it involves everything, doesn't it? It, I mean, it certainly can. Um, the, you know, a lot of bodily functions are um, innervated by impulses from the brain and nerves and spinal cords, so it can cause a wide manifestation of symptoms and things. Now, Vipin, uh, you, on the other hand, you work more with cardio, right? Yeah, and, I am a cardiologist. Lay, lay all that stuff on us, too. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, the major one of the major organs of your body is your heart pumping um blood to the rest of the body and all the blood vessels that uh, take all the blood and distribute it through the body. We kind of deal with any disorders that, that can go wrong with the heart, whether it be a heart attack or irregular rhythms of your heart or <clears throat> things called congestive heart failure where you uh, will fill up with fluid. So we, we deal with all of those uh, sorts of disorders that may occur. Sure. Now, um, here it is, um, what, three months ago this all got going, and maybe maybe it's less than that by some records, uh, COVID-19, coronavirus, whatever you choose to refer to it is. And uh, suddenly hospitals were limiting uh, visits. Uh, they were all set up and geared in case they got a rush of cases, and some did. In our case down here, we didn't. We got uh, we've had six cases so far. Um, you are at um, Ohio Health Oblenus, right? And um, you know now you're starting to gear back up to for uh, regular patients. And um, but during this time, there's still been people with needs. So. Telemedicine, right? Telemedicine. Yeah. Now, um, w what we're doing is a, a one half of it. Um, right now, we're we're all communicating by audio, but uh, with telemedicine, you also add the the video to it, and so you can set up appointments and work with patients and discuss uh, what they're going through, what they're feeling, what they're experiencing. And um, um, now there are certain limitations, like um, just getting their vitals and things like that. Uh, how do you deal with it? Who wants to start out? Um, well, well, I can start, Dave. You know, I, um, I never thought that I'd be doing telemedicine, I, I guess maybe not this early in my career. I thought maybe... Hey, you know, when I retire, this would be a great way to to see some patients uh, mm -hmm. as I'm slowing down. But I didn't <laughs> think it would come this this quick. But well, then um, you have a while before you're allowed to <laughs> slow down. Go ahead. But certainly, um, what we've realized is we need to take care of patients. We need to assess any any problems they they may have, any conditions or questions they may have. And, and do it in a safe manner. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the, the way we started was with te just a telephone, just kind of as we're talking now. Right. Um, we, we started with telephones because we really didn't have the video services when, we, when this all began a, a few months ago. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that really provided a lot of reassurance for the patients. Um, soon our organization was able to get video visits up and running, and as long as people had a smartphone, a computer, an iPad, any kind of device that could really connect to the Internet, right. they were able to see us in video and we were able to see them. And that added a little bit different dimension. You know, we, uh, 
really in, in medical school and in our training, we, we, we talk about, you know, assessing somebody from the door before you even go in, and you learn to tell if somebody looks well or looks sick just by their appearance and yes. their demeanor. Yes. And um, I definitely was able to, uh, I, uh, you know, I had to send some patients straight to the hospital uh, after seeing how they're doing at home on video because they were too sick to, to be cared for at home, which I don't know I w- if I would have gotten that just over the phone. Right. So it was really helpful. But you're right, you know, vital signs, blood pressure, heart rate, uh, temperature, we can't take. But many people have these, um, some of these devices at home, such as a blood pressure cuff or a thermometer, and we ask that they maybe keep some blood pressure readings for us or get their weights or temperatures um, so that when we get on the video call, they can give those to us. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's not as good as us taking it in the office ourselves, but it, it's a second-best option. Well, actually, you know, again, with this, uh, this whole thing we're going through the last few months, uh, a lot of those devices, uh, not the level of quality that you have in the hospitals, but still um, pretty good devices are now available commonly. Uh, yeah. You know, almost uh, like in your typical uh, drugstore or, or pharmacy, I mean to say. Um, but certainly through the Internet. So you can get all those sort of readings, and, and, uh, and they're generally accurate, but uh, helpful anyway. Well, listen, um, okay, so what has it meant to your practice, what we've been going through? Um, and, and, Doug, you, you start. Uh, you know, here you are. Um, see, you're kind of Wisconsin-based, weren't you? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I went to uh, college there, undergraduate, and stayed for medical school in Milwaukee. And then um, I was I was working there for six years um, at one of the academic institutions before coming to Ohio. Now, um, uh, you're an MD, uh, Vipin, you're a DO. Uh, the days of the fisticuffs don't exist, right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I mean, the, um, allopathic, osteopathic, that right. years ago, you know the old stories. But um, um, anyway, I shouldn't have even brought it up. So what, what, what about it? Um, what's it been like to go through this experience? Um, it's, it's definitely obviously been a change. And um, it's interesting how most of the time your barrier to change is just fear of the unknown. And whatnot, and certainly, I think that um, definitely we all saw the need that we had to limit um, live patient visits to reduce the spread and prevent the surge until the hospital systems could um, prepare and be sufficiently prepared to handle whatever surge happens. Uh, but it's interesting, actually, since we've been doing more and more of these, how you can actually do quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I started thinking that you know when I was doing patient visits, a lot of the time was spent in talking and counseling. Um, definitely, it's important to be able to examine people. And the interesting thing, Dave, is that. Um, since I uh, have been in Athens, I've been adopting more and more osteopathic principles and things like that. And I actually wish I had gone to a, an osteopathic school because there is a ton of a ton of neurological conditions that are um, related to underlying osteopathic problems, particularly headaches and pain syndromes and that type of thing. So, um, so being able to examine somebody in the clinic helps a lot. But certainly, we can actually ask people over the video to do certain things like. Um, try to stretch a particular muscle group mm-hmm. uh, and see if they experience more pain, which would suggest that there's an underlying osteopathic problem in a particular muscle area and things. So definitely adapting um, and being, we, we can still do a fair amount to try to help people um, with problems. Um, that that it obviously would be nice to confirm in a face-to-face visit, but we can still do a lot of things otherwise. Doug, before I let you go here, let me ask, when was the first experience you've ever had with telemedicine? Um, it, was, it was definitely here. Um, actually, telemedicine was applied mostly in Ohio for psychiatry. Yeah. Uh, that people would come into you know, an outlying hospital, such as a Blennis, and, and we don't have very many psychiatrists in general around the country, but they would have a psychiatrist on call from Riverside, and if somebody came in the emergency room with like a psychotic break or a break for bipolar, the psychiatrist could assess them through telemedicine and then uh, help drive management and things. But but really, that was the only discipline where it was really, you know, very much widespread. Um, definitely in neurology with strokes, they do a lot of management in the emergency rooms, um, acutely with neurologists over telemedicine to decide if they 
uh, if the patients are candidates for a clot-busting medication, but I wasn't involved in that. But really, it was here. That a dentist when the virus hit. When I was a child, Dr. Frederick Schaefer, a DO in Worthington, uh, and I'm, I'm 70 now, so that's a long time ago, when I was a child. He was our family doc. And a phone call, even, you know, old-fashioned rotary dial phone call, there were times he helped us in that way. And I, I think telemedicine's been around a lot longer. It's just not as fancy as it is now. You know what I mean? Uh, I, think, I think a lot of stuff we've had, and it's just, um, oh, well, I'm, I'm off on a tangent here. It is certainly cool now. My wife has had telemedicine uh, through uh, Ohio State, the James, uh, on several occasions here in the last couple months. And uh, it's been really interesting to watch the interviews, and you get you can each see each other, you know, and um, and good questions asked and honest answers. It you know, I just think it's really cool. Now, does it help speed along the process of being able to care for more? I would say no. Um, you know, we're we're learning to deal with technology and our patients are also having to overcome some technology hurdles. Um, you know, the, the ask of, of the patients has been quite a bit because some of them may have a cell phone, but they may, now, may have never downloaded an, an app to their phones. Mm -hmm. um, and so our nurses and our staff are really working with a lot of our patients to get them up to speed or to maybe work with a son or a daughter to say, hey, you know, can you grab their phone and we'll help you download the stuff you need. And um, so they're ready to go on the video visits. And often we find that technology um, ends up not working at the time we want it to work, right? I mean, we all experience that. Our computers don't work or <laughs> yeah. phones don't work when we want them to. Murphy's and that law. happens with these. Yeah, yeah, right. And so these video visits don't always go as planned. Um, and um, I, I think you know, everybody's at home and they're a little lonely and everybody wants to talk right now and they need that, that time to talk to their providers. Um, so the, I, I feel like the visits are actually going a little bit longer because we're talking a little bit more, just making sure that they're doing okay personally, not always with their health conditions uh, that we often deal with, but just about their, their life and their, their family. Um, and, and I think that's an important part you know, my grandmother used to tell my mom that, you know, if a doctor can just sit and listen to you, that, that that's a lot of the therapy that needs to be done. And, and sometimes that's what we need to do as well is just be there and listen to the patient. Well, there is sometimes in the office environment a certain feeling that uh, you've got uh, this, this little chunk of time and you can't exactly just connect with the doc. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So uh, what you're saying is... Um, even though it may slow down the process ever so slightly, um, it's, that's quality stuff, isn't it? Well, um, yeah. So, um, but, but the the fact of the matter is, um, let's say uh, COVID, uh, they got a vaccine tomorrow, and uh, everybody gets a, a vax a va va vaccination. There we go got it out uh and now that's no longer a concern do you think telemedicine is going to stay in our future for for neurology i think definitely because because um, you know as an example i'm the only neurologist for about 40 miles around so i have people who do drive anywhere from you know just five minutes up to even an hour and a half or two hours and um if if any of those patients could be cared for through a video visit um um for example, if they had, or, or a loved one with dementia or something where a lot of it is just medication management and talking, um, saving that person, you know, the drive, um, people having to take off work. Um, a lot of people are able to do it right after they get off a shift. They don't have to worry about driving home right after work or that type of thing. It's really the convenience and the ease of transportation is, is really, really useful. Um, there is, you know, a relative shortage of you know, physicians and healthcare providers around the country, and um, and so being able to provide more care to people this way 
um, I think I think telemedicine has is going to be around for a long time. Well, um, I tell you what, I hope so. Uh, it just uh, it's a little more personal, even though you'd think sitting in a room with this doc is going to be personal too. But um, sometimes there's a nurse standing by in that room, you know, making notes and so on. And uh, I just think it's a little more personal connection, which is special. But maybe that's just me. Um, Doug, Dr. Douglas Wu, um, MD and a neurologist. Uh, you said uh, like 45 mile distance before you might find another. Um, so how did you come to select Athens, Ohio? Um, well, I mean, it was um, when I joined Ohio Health, there's a number of different options available. But I actually live in Lancaster, and, um, and I like the fact that you know Athens has a medical school, it has mm-hmm. residency training programs. Um, it's a small hospital, but definitely there's a lot of need um, and things, and that attracted me a lot as well to be able to provide, you know, a service which, um, which, which, which was necessary. And if people can prevent having to drive up to Columbus or or other places to get neurological care, then it, that was that was attractive to me. Now, are you, how do I want to say, exclusively at Oblenis, or are you also at some of the other Ohio Health facilities? Um, during the week, I'm at Oblenis. Um, every so often, I'll, I'll travel to other hospitals in the system to, to cover call for the right. weekend, like in Mansfield or things like that. But otherwise, no, I'm full-time at Oblenis. Okay. Well, we're glad to have you here. Vipin, you know, you didn't know very much about Athens before arriving here, did you? No, not much, Dave. No, only, uh, only, I guess, the previous 18 years of my life were spent here. But, uh... <laughs> Born and raised here, almost. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, of course your father and your mom and all that. So um, it, it must be kind of cool to be in your hometown. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I, I get the chance to, you know, see my old teachers and my parents' friends and, and treat people them. I grew up with, it, and treat them. And you know, now uh, you know, as as we get older, I'm seeing some of my my friends come in for care, and of course, that um, it, it's humbling to. You know, have have people in the community just you know, you know, give their trust to you and 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 come to come to us for for care. So it's it's been a joy. It's been great. Um, I, I wouldn't have traded it for the world. And it's a special place to be. Now I got to so, yeah. tease you a little bit. Um, let's see here. Um, where did you start out? Didn't you? Well, you didn't you start out right here at our own Ohio University College? Um, I, I went away for college and then I did come back for medical school here at OU. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So you went to university of Cincinnati, eh? I, after, um, oh, I, school I see here, Chapel Hill. You were there first. Yeah. I went to university of North Carolina for, okay. for, uh, three years and then came back for medical school to, to Athens. Well, that's Correct. not a bad place to be. And uh, then you've had a number of assignments since then, including Riverside and so on. So um, the the, the uh, how do I put this? Let's take um, let's take uh, neurology first, Douglas. Um, are there tools, certain devices that neurologists need and use that? Are harder to find here in Athens, Ohio. Um, not really. I mean, our major mainstays are. I mean, besides our reflex hammer, which we carry around, um, our MRI machine, um, CT scans, and actually, um, since I've been here, the system's been able to um, provide EEGs mm-hmm. on an outpatient for clinic patients um, to assess if somebody's having seizures or things like that. There's certainly other devices which are more high tech. Um, which are available at places like Cleveland Clinic, like very high-power MRI scans or right. uh, magnetic encephalography or PET scanning, but those are those are not the mainstays and standards of care. So we we pretty much have the tools we need to assess over 95% of people here at Obanus. That's excellent. And and if someone still could benefit from one of those uh, special scans, uh, they could be traveled up there to do it, right? Well, certainly they could. I mean, a lot of these are available in Columbus, so 
um, even though the drive is still rather rather attainable. Yeah. Um, Vipin, what about you? Um, when you think of um, heart and vascular medicine and all of that, uh, boy, you it, it kind of is scary to some people because they think without the heart you've got nothing, right? And um, uh, the tools you need. Yeah. You know, we, we've dealt with the resources that we've had over the past 10 years, and um, we've actually we had more resources, and we ended up getting rid of some because we looked at, at, um, at our area and between our hospital here and some of our flagship hospitals in Columbus, uh, we decided that, for example, heart catheterizations are probably best done in Columbus rather than done here locally. Mm-hmm. So we've decided to keep things like, you know, ultrasounds of the heart and stress tests and things that, again, maybe 85 or 90% of our patients really need. And if they have uh, need for seeing a surgeon or getting a stent put in their heart, um, that, that we can take them up to Columbus where we, we can make centers of excellence. Because what we want is we, when we take care of a patient, we want somebody who's done the procedure many times, they do it well, and they get good outcomes. And, you know, uh, now our, our heart and vascular group is more than 100 cardiologists throughout Ohio. Um, so we have uh, doctors that specialize in different parts of the heart. And, uh, and we're able to provide that. But I really think, you know, we can connect our patients here locally to anybody we need to. We, even, we have physicians that come down from Columbus, um, you know, two or three times a month to see patients here. And if they really need, then we set up their procedures in Columbus. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've been able to, uh, I, I've been quite happy with the amount of services we've been able to provide our community compared to, again, where we were 10 or 15 years ago. So, um, telemedicine, let's get back to the point I'm supposed to be discussing. Um, were you doing any of this before the virus? For Either, me personally, you know. this is uh, Zippin. I, 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 again, was not. Of course, I'd pick up the phone and call a patient if I needed to know how they were doing, if I were worried about their symptoms. But I guess we didn't consider that telemedicine we did it wasn't a substitute for a visit it was mainly if they had called in with an issue or a problem we'd, we'd we'd call them our group had been involved with trying to get some telemedicine started on the floors as a, a pilot but it didn't really take off and um, some of our patients in the hospital were getting telemedicine consults I think for what Doug said before for strokes or for specialists that we didn't have here, they, they, they could see the patient for, for example, you know, people that had lung problems. We could get a lung specialist from Columbus to see the patient over video in the hospital and give their opinion. Um, but me personally, I, I, I didn't have much more experience than that. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, Rotary Club, this is funny. Three weeks in a row I've had a Rotary Club meeting via Zoom. And for three weeks in a row, I've fallen asleep in the last few minutes of it. <laughs> and and uh, Sheila very politely uh, will kill my videos so nobody can see me. <laughs> well, anyway, um, I doubt your uh, patients are falling asleep on you. Um, what, what, but this Zoom or what, what's another one? Um, FaceTime, I guess. Uh, what what mechanism are you using, or is it something proprietary to medicine? The so we actually um, there are a number of different um, video platforms available, but Ohio decided to use Zoom. But but not just Zoom, where you can get access it off your computer and straight from your phone. There's always a big concern about making sure that the information is protected because it is personal. Secure information, mm-hmm. and um, certainly Zoom bombing has, has gained you know notoriety, uh, where somebody else can just hack into your Zoom call and do all kinds of things. So um, Ohio has been very diligent about making sure that um, that people doing the video visit, the patients doing it, do so through the um, electronic medical record, um, and they have to go into the electronic medical record first, and then access Zoom 
within the context of the medical record, which has many more layers of security um, that are available. I think certainly other physicians who are not employed by Ohio Health or are self-employed, they may be using things like FaceTime because it's easier, mm. um, but at least that's what Ohio Health has chosen to do to maximize information security. Sure. Well, um, it works pretty cool, you know. Um, these rotary meetings that we've had, because we're not supposed to get together in a room and have lunch, um, although I guess that may change here or down the road, back to the way it used to be. Somewhat. Anyway, never mind. Um, the point is, um, it works pretty well. And um, people can have a speaker, and you can then push on, engage your mic and ask a question, and then the speaker can answer it, and all that sort of thing. It's kind of cool. Well, um, what are the, what are, what do you feel bad about telemedicine? I mean, you know, what, what, what do you wish you could do that you can't do? You know, something we've all had to get over is is um, handshakes, hugs, yeah. those things that we take for, for took for granted for many years. Yeah. Um, and those are, you know, it's an important part of human interaction. But those those things are gone. Um, and most of the patients that I've been seeing, I I've had a uh, I've seen for a number of years. So we have some relationship because we've seen each other maybe every six months or every year for the past 10 years. And, of course. Um, and, and so we can still have that over the phone. So I think it's almost like, you know, if you call an old friend over the phone, even if it's been 10 years, you can still have a great conversation. It's right. kind of like that. Right. But you kind of miss not seeing them in person, right? Um, and, and, and there is a difference uh, over the phone, over video, compared to having them sitting right in front of you. So it's some of those intangible things that, that definitely I miss. Um, uh, of course, you know, I love being a cardiologist. I use my stethoscope all the time, and if I can't put that on the patient, sometimes I may miss certain things that, that may clue me into disease processes. And um, so, I, I, you know, I, I, there, there are technologies that are being developed to even help with that over telemedicine. Um, we don't have those available currently here, but, you know, I, I, I think especially what we've gone through, those kind of technologies are going to emerge and we're going to be able to do physical exams even over video. Um, um, probably not in the, uh, to, in the recent in the future we should be seeing things like that. Well, I, I just, you know, as this thing has evolved, I've got to thinking, you know, somebody's going to come up with this uh, uh, harness that you put on your body and it has different listening points you know what I mean, and right. uh, and then pretty soon they'll have overcome that that uh, restriction, and then there will be something else for something else. And it's amazing how, from a technological point of view, we advance based on our needs. So, well, so um, uh, uh, take today for example, um, Doug or Vipin. Uh, how many patients would you typically see before this coronavirus thing kicked in? Would you guess uh, uh, 18 a day or something like that? You know what I mean. Yeah, for me, I was, I was seeing anywhere from about about 15, I would say, mm -hmm. on average. And, and the interesting thing is that actually since the virus kicked in, uh, we're actually seeing fewer patients, and I've been finding my, I'm actually able to spend more time with my patients. Um, there's, there's not as, you know, before, if you're the only neurologist for a while around, then a lot of, there's a lot of demand. And so we're trying to see patients uh, as soon as possible without making them wait. So we were seeing a fair lot more. And actually now, um, when we first started with the telemedicine thing, it actually, we were, instead of booking, we we're actually about doubling the amount of time we've allotted for a visit because of the technology and things like that. Um, we've gotten faster at it, more efficient. So we're allotting about the same amount of time for patient visits, but I'm actually still overall able to spend more time talking to patients uh, over the phone because um, beforehand we'd have to, people would have to come into a room and transition to getting their vital signs done and things like that and, and whatnot. And so actually the live visit actually left a little bit less time for me to spend with people than the telemedicine visit. Still the live visit's better overall, 
Um, but and um, but yeah, with everything with the virus, definitely we're not having as many people scheduled as before. So there's both goods and bads, but um, all in all, not much different, eh? Um, I think it is what it is. Definitely, like Vipin said, there are a lot of things I miss about the live visits. But again, with our given circumstances, we have to do what we can because of we're dealt. So um, I think maximizing the benefits of the video visit, and again, seeing the benefits of video visits over live visits, um, particularly for patients that have to travel, um, it's, it's been neat to see. Vipin, anything yeah. to add to that? I think what you're going to see is you're going to see, and you see it just talking to patients, right? So some people really love this technology. They, they really get into it. They say, this is wonderful. I can stay at home if I don't have anything that I really need to come see you for, and we can do visits like this. While others said, you know, I, I don't think I want to do this again. So it's going to become, you know, we're a society who loves choice, and it's going to be one of those choices that would you rather see your physician over video or would you rather come in? Um, and I think that's what it's going to become. It's going to become one of the choices we have to just maybe stay at home and see the provider at home um, unless you feel like you need to see them in person. You know, one of the things we miss here at the station is the interaction. So, you know, someone gets an idea, but do we get to discuss it amongst ourselves to try to enhance it or find the flaws with it or, you know what I mean, um, how does how does that work in in the environment we're going through? Uh, you know, y y you have colleagues, and uh, it might be over a lunch. It might be over um, out in the parking lot where you just say, as you both are leaving for the day, you know, I've got this case. Here are the circumstances. What's your thought? What am I? What have I forgotten? What am what am I overlooking? You know what I mean. Um, where you just get somebody else's input uh, is that um, is that difficult during periods like this? Yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting because right? I'm actually not that old, but I'm old enough to remember when there wasn't anything like email or that type of thing and. And I think one of the interesting things about technology is that it actually created more of a divide between people that you just send off an email instead of actually talking to somebody in person and that type of thing. It actually reduced a lot of, I think, interaction in certain ways um, that you didn't have as easy access to discussion. Mm -hmm. um, now with the imposed, you know, social distancing, mm -hmm. it's, it's flipped a little bit that now technology is going to allow us to do more interaction. Um, it, I think it definitely depends on our, our willpower to do so. Um, it's easy enough just to sit, you know, in your little office and say, well, I'm going to do it this way and, and not reach out to colleagues and that type of thing, uh, especially since we're all spread out across, you know, across central Ohio and that type of thing. But, I mean, hopefully if we can overcome our own innate whatever um, blockage we have to using the technology, just reaching out. Um, me personally, it's interesting. I actually don't like talking to people on the phone. If, I, if my family wants to order a pizza, it's my wife's doing the order and not me. And I have to, I have to overcome that to actually yeah. reach out and and yeah. talk to people. But again, accepting that the technology can help us overcome our enforced, you know, isolation, so to speak, um, it is going to be what we make of it. And, um, and like I've been said, there, everybody's, I mean, physicians included, that everybody, not everybody likes technology, but being able to embrace it for its advantages is going to help us. Sure. Vipin, any additional thought there? You know, it's, I, I agree to some extent, we, we don't congregate in the doctor's lounge and we can't discuss, you know, cases that come up spontaneously. Um, and, and so some of that is, is lost. But I think if, if, if we really need to take care of a patient and we need somebody's opinion, um, we've, all, we've all been good at picking up the phone before, and that hasn't changed. Um, so, you know, just like you said, you know, you miss going to Rotary and seeing, seeing the, the colleagues there. Um, we miss seeing our colleagues around the hall because we're all we're all trying to practice the social distancing as well and and just seeing less of each other. But well, you know, uh, hopefully on a professional level, we have thirty three employees here. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got six working, um, and, and the others are working from home, mind you. Nope, mm -hmm. we haven't furloughed or or laid off or anything like that. Anybody. But um, maybe we should have, but we haven't. And um, 
but I miss the ability to just walk to somebody's desk and say, okay, this is something we're thinking about. Yeah. Well, 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 well uh, find something wrong with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well. That's true. All right. Well, listen, it's still a terrific thing. And, uh, I, I, frankly, I'm a little surprised it hasn't uh, come about earlier and not um, suddenly because of a, a pandemic. But um, uh, I guess some people have tried it. But, um, anyway, now it's a real part of our medis- medical life. And I, I suspect it may stay. Is that your opinion, too, after, say, say COVID's fixed tomorrow? Don't you think this is going to stick around? Yeah, definitely. Uh, like I've been said, there are definitely people who appreciate it and like using it and things. And I think being able to accommodate that to, to expedite healthcare, I think it's, it's definitely um, definitely has its advantages. No question. Well, what uh, what can we add? Uh, we've sort of covered our topic for the day, which is telemedicine. Uh, what are some other things you'd like to add about? Uh, your practices here in Southeast Ohio. Um, I, I'm pretty proud of the many forms of treatment that can occur. And not by uh, people who are here because they can't get to the big cities. Uh, these are people that have real credentials. And they're here because they like it here. They're here because it's needed. They're here to serve people. Um, t- take that concept and run with it a little bit. Vipin, you start first. Yeah, I, I think what's, you know, just talking about health, I, I think what's important for us to maybe also talk about, if, if you're okay with it, is, is um, you know, health during the pandemic. How do we stay healthy? We're all cooped up. Gyms are closed. We're, we're a little leery to go to the grocery store, um, but I think it's, it's important that we get out and try to get out for a walk if we can. Oh, yeah. Um, my, neighborhood, keeping... my neighborhood each evening, if the weather's okay, people are walking all over the place. I love yeah. it. It's so fun. Anyway, it's good. Yeah, keep going. And you can keep your social distancing even while walking. Oh, yeah. Um, you I've, know, I've met I neighbors I didn't know before. You know, <laughs> seriously. Yeah. Yeah. This, I mean, the, 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 as many people have responded, you know, we try to look for the bright sides of the pandemic, uh, you know, and they're bringing families together, it's bringing people out. It's letting us all slow down a little bit more and remember what a slower life was like. But then we try to remember what it was like two months ago when we weren't, when we were in a different situation and, we're itching to get back to it, but I, I think we all need to use caution. We need to listen to what the governor says and try to wear our masks out in public to protect not only us, but most of the time when you're wearing a mask, you're protecting the other people around us. And since we're all part of this community, we need to help protect each other, and that's what the masks are doing. Um, and so, you know, I think staying healthy, getting exercise, trying to make sure you're eating well, um, th- that's just as important and maybe even more important now because you need to keep your body healthy to avoid this virus and to stay mentally healthy as well um, uh, during this time. And uh, I think it's been a challenge for some people. But I would encourage everybody to get out like you're doing, Dave. Well, you know, um, Mother's Day was last Sunday, and uh, we couldn't have the grandkids over or the kids or anything like that. Um, we went and picked up a wonderful meal from um, the Ohio University Inn and enjoyed it both Sunday and then again yet last night. Nice. They, it was nice. But I noticed on the sign as I was driving by there yesterday afternoon, I think, you know, the patio this uh, Friday night, they're going to start to first be able to open up outside, right? And, of course, yep. they'll have the tables distanced apart. But um, things are starting to come back to normal, starting to come back to normal. Or I think it'll be slower than we wish, 
probably already right. is. But um, have you known anybody with a COVID situation? Not directly. Okay. In terms of having having COVID or yes. dealing with taking care of COVID patients, what are we? Either way. Yeah. Oh, definitely. There, there are some colleagues, of course, in um, in our state that are that are dealing with it that I have uh, been talking with, and um, out of state as well. But um, how do how is it that we hear? There's such a wide range of how it affects people. Some people can have it, go through it, not even know they had it. Yeah. Others can be deathly ill and, in fact, of course, die. Why is the human body so different from one to another? It's interesting to see how this virus, you know, uh, uh, accelerates or makes our immune system rev up. And we've known this in medicine for quite some time that even you can take a simple pneumonia and some patients will react where their immune system will kick up and also it'll almost spiral, spiral out of control. And we call that sepsis. And it's an immune response that kind of overwhelms the body. And sometimes that, uh, that, that, inflammatory response gets out of control and we're seeing that more and more especially with this virus that it it seems to be able to do that it's also doing some unique things where we see some increased clotting happening with this um with this type of virus so people are getting clots in places mm -hmm. that they usually don't with viruses um and it seems like you know as you get older as you have some chronic health conditions that it's much more possible for you to develop these severe illnesses. And yes, I think you're right, Dave, that the scary thing is many people can not have many symptoms or few symptoms and pass it to others who then may have one of these severe reactions. Right. And, you know, as we learn more, it, it, it seems like it's been a long time that we've been dealing with this virus, but it's actually very, very short for, for, for medicine, you know, five or six months for a new virus is nothing in medicine. It doesn't give us time to research it, to understand it. So we got a lot to learn still. Not to mention all the uh, federal restrictions on uh, testing and everything to bring something forward, right? Yeah. Yeah. True. But uh, they they when it's this serious, they tend to um, uh, drop a lot of those um, timelines, uh, shorten them up, and everything because they're very concerned. And rightfully so. Scott, what were you this morning? I was 97.2. I was 97.7. Okay. Uh, we have a habit here at the station where everybody, as they come to work, they just walk around and tell each other what their temperature was that morning. And similarly, um, uh, I do it at night just before I go to bed. Uh, is that nuts or not? No, it seems like that's prudent. I mean, certainly the other thing, actually, we were just reminded about today is that there's other things going on besides um, the COVID-19 virus, like the flu or other types of infections and things. So it's not necessarily a bad thing to monitor yourself um, and see if you have anything like that in addition to other symptoms like a dry cough or, or cough of any sort or feeling run down or that type of thing. You know, the West End Distillery makes these, um, what do you call it, um, Sanitizer. Yes, thank you. Sanitizer solution. We've put it in all our spray bottles after we ran out of what was in them originally, whatever make it was. It's good stuff. We People here wash their hands. You know, you're doing everything you possibly can. And then you kind of go before and after your shift, you sort of wipe everything down. And then the next person comes in. And it's, um, we're trying hard. And I hope every place is. And, and what's it like in your shop? So Sorry, Dave, I mean, you're, you're, you're seeing patients again, right? Yes. So what's it like in your shop? What's different? 
because you guys have always been conscious of this keeping things clean and and, and sterile and all of that but uh, you've had to take even extra precautions in your place right yeah i think definitely the, the two biggest precautions are that everybody wears a mask um virtually the entire time unless we're enclosed in a room by ourselves but Everybody wears a mask and everybody maintains social distancing. We even have it marked off within our clinic area that uh, intervals of six-foot distances because the primary mode of transmission for the virus is going to be through respiratory droplets, which can transmit through your, even just regular talking or laughing or a little cough or that type of thing, a sneeze. And so wearing a mask protects everybody. Um, it primarily protects other people if you have a cough and, and so you don't transmit it or you have less transmission um, unknowingly. Um, but even yourself, there's a degree of protection if somebody else has it and things. But those are the two biggest things that have affected us. Mm -hmm. I saw a, a thing saying that uh, on an aircraft, they replace all the air every three minutes. But when you think of that, that means a lot of stuff's moving past you rapidly. Uh, you may not be aware of it, but it is. So that a cough will travel three seats up in three seats back behind where it is emitted that's crazy um not crazy but i mean just amazing to me and um i'm one who loves to sneeze i think it makes me feel good <laughs> so uh i gotta use a handkerchief when i sneeze or certainly a mask uh, well, we're being silly here. What, what, what should we end the show with? We've got about three minutes. Um, well, I could tell you this, Dave, that I've actually been around in several different parts of the country and, and practicing different things. And the thing that I appreciate the most about Athens is how it's a really nice community. Mm -hmm. And um, I've met a lot of different people here, a lot of people in very, very nice, a lot of talent. Um, as you pointed out, a lot of people with special skills who have decided to stay here and and um, and contribute to the community. And I think if anything that's going to get us through this um, epidemic, which is probably going to be a lot longer than we want, as you pointed out, it's going to be a marathon. And things, if anything's going to get us through this together, it's being it's being together. Um, it's acting together. It's being able to focus on common goals, being respectful, um, trying to put aside differences as much as possible, and and hanging in this together because it's um, that's what's going to get us through us the most. And I think Athens is, is very much one of these communities. Vipin, your turn. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Doug. We're very proud of where we are and who we are down here in southeastern Ohio. I mean, I certainly can say I am. Otherwise, I wouldn't have come back. This is my home. And I think we need to not forget about our neighbors, check on those neighbors, don't forget we're all in this together. We need to help each other. And like I said, you know, wear your masks, use social distancing. Let's be respectful for each other because we all got to get through this together. And we can do it. We've, we've done a lot already, and we've made differences in, in this state. We've done a lot better than many other states, and that's because we're, we're watching out for each other. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I know there's always somebody who doesn't agree, but... Uh, mercy, I think Dr. Uh, Acton and um, our governor, Mike DeWine, and, and just the daily briefings, I listen to them carefully, and we air those all live mm -hmm. um, each afternoon at 2. Um, I just think they're doing a terrific job. Now listen, Ohio Health, Oblenis, you both are associated with them. Yep. Doug Wu, you are an MD, Vipin Koshal, a DO. You guys uh, keep up the great work, please, and and uh, tell all of your colleagues down there how much we appreciate your work. Thank you, Will, Dave. Thank okay. you. And we'll let you go. Thanks for joining us. All right. Well, uh, folks, it's a Tuesday edition, and uh, we have, let's see here, what's the clock say? About 30 seconds left. Um, today, the temperature right now, 44. It is going to get up to, I think, 53 today. But we're going to have freezing yet again tonight. 
They put out the warning about an hour and a half ago. In our 70th year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. This is CBS News on the Hour, sponsored by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. I'm Deborah Rodriguez in upstate New York. All eyes are on Dr. Anthony Fauci as he begins testifying remotely before the Senate. He's expected to caution against getting back to business as usual during the pandemic. Correspondent Weijia Jang at the White House. Dr. Fauci tells CBS News he plans to warn Americans that skipping over guidelines in an effort to reopen too quickly could lead to new outbreaks and set the country back. He also plans to urge senators to have a plan in place in case that happens. President Trump insists reopening can all be done safely with testing, but his own expert says the only ones who qualify are people who've been infected or others who are part of tracing projects. There's word just in the FDA has granted fast-track designation to Moderna's experimental coronavirus vaccine. It speeds up the regulatory review process as the world waits for a preventative treatment. A mysterious illness in children that may be linked to the coronavirus is turning up in more states across the country. Senior medical correspondent Dr. Tara Narula talked to a mom in Illinois. Sarah Garcia says her son Nolan's health went downhill fast earlier this month. At one point, his fever almost reached 105 degrees. When she couldn't get the fever down, she took